Morning. I uh, want to say one first. It's uh, last Sunday was Easter Sunday, and if you were with us last Sunday um, and maybe came back for the first time, welcome. We're glad that you're here. We had I think twenty, almost twenty-seven hundred people here last weekend, so that was awesome. And uh, if you came back, we're glad that you are here to join us on. Uh, I don't want to say a regular old Sunday, but a regular old Sunday, and not Easter. We're glad that you're here. Um, also, let me say, um, those of you who are not visitors, this is your pastor, and yes, I'm wearing glasses, and, uh, you know, the, uh, I put it off as long as I could, and, uh, you know, here you go, right? Let's all, the season of life of new things, this week, glasses, next month, I don't know, I'll grow a goatee or something, we'll figure it out, Okay. We are starting a series, as Chris mentioned, Chris and Christina, on uh, relationships. If you have a Bible, open up to Romans chapter 14, we'll be there in a minute. On relationships, and let me, let me just give you the broad outline. We'll spend a couple weeks uh, on the nuclear family, uh, when we think about relationships, parents and children, uh, three and four weeks from now. It's important. We'll spend a week on the mother of all relationships, uh, which is marriage. Uh, next uh, Sunday. We'll spend a week on uh, forgiveness and the importance of reconciliation uh, between uh, people. Not necessarily reconciliation with God, of course, that's the foundation, but the importance of uh, reconciling with each other, learning how to forgive one another. We'll spend uh, a week or two on uh, the church as family. What does the Bible really mean when it talks about the church at family? The New Testament talks about it a lot. You know, churches like us, perhaps you've heard me say this, we say that to be a Christian, we sort of define what a Christian is. We say it means to be in a personal relationship with God, right? That's how we define it. Uh, uh, and I think, that, I think that's true. I think that's what the Bible says. And I would go further to say to grow as a Christian is to grow in a personal relationship relationship with God. In fact, I'd further say that it's in that what the Bible says is that it's in relationships that all human growth and spiritual growth take place as God has designed it. You might say, it's my premise, that the quality of your relationships with others, think about the significant people in your life, is perhaps the best indicator of the present quality of your relationship with God. You might say that the weaknesses that you might experience in your relationship with others is perhaps one of the best indicators of the present weaknesses, your weaknesses, my weaknesses, in your relationship with God. Now, what do you mean? Get real or get specific, Rob. What are you talking about? Weaknesses. Let me just outline a few that will be broad strokes for this series of messages. Number one, I would say, our challenge, all of us, to be people pleasers, if I can use that term. In other words, to be far more interested in what somebody else thinks about you or thinks about me than I might actually feel about myself or uh, what God might say about me. Our tendency as people whether it's in your marriage or in your parenting or in being a child, a student with your parents, with friends, uh, to, be, uh, to avoid conflict at all costs. Our tendency often for some of us that when we do speak our mind, and I'm going to advocate for that in these seven weeks, 
that we often speak our mind more out of anger and frustration uh, with significant relationships than we do as a, as a reflection of what is genuinely uh, the true um, belief or convictions of our hearts. Now, you might say, well, pastor, this sounds like a lot of psychological mumbo-jumbo. Let me just read a few verses. This is all by way of introduction, just to wash over you uh, to help ground my words over the next many weeks. Just listen to these. Galatians chapter 1, verse 10. If you are trying to please people, you will not be a servant of Christ. Ephesians 4, 15. Speak the truth in love and become in every respect mature. Couple from the 15th Psalm. Speak the truth from your heart. Keep your promise even when it hurts and don't change your mind. Love one another as I have loved you. D.A. Carson, those of you who know, well-known, uh, uh, prolific New Testament scholar at Trinity in Chicago, uh, wrote these words in a book, I think helps really introduce this series of messages called Love in the Hard Places. The reason there are so many exhortations in the New Testament for Christians to love other Christians is because the church itself is not made up of natural friends. It is made up of natural enemies. What binds us together is not common education, common race, common income levels, common politics, common nationality, common accents, common jobs, or anything else of that sort that bind most other groups of people together. Christians come together not because they form a natural group, but because they have a common allegiance. In this light, we are a band of natural enemies who love one another for Jesus' sake. Isn't that an interesting way of putting it? We are a band of natural enemies who love one another for Jesus' sake. And some of you are thinking, boy, I've been, that's the greatest truth. That, now I know why I hate the people in my small group or why I don't like, you know, <laughs> makes sense why I don't like half the people that come to church, maybe, right? If we're serious about wanting to grow, and if, and this is my premise, my relationship with others and the weaknesses in my relationship with others is perhaps one of the greatest indicators of my current relationship with God, if we really want to have a growth agenda personally and corporately, here's my opening sermon title this morning, we must begin with ourselves, okay? This is the ballgame. We must begin with ourselves. To our passage, Romans 14, verses 5 through 12. Follow along as I read. One person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord, for they give thanks to God. And whoever abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives for ourselves alone. None of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. So, 
Whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this very reason Christ died and returned to life so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. You then, why do you judge your brother or sister or your wife or your husband or your child or your parent? Or why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat, it is written. As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will acknowledge God. So then, each of us will give account to ourselves, uh, to God. Now, this passage has both a specific context and some timeless truths. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on the specific context. I'm telling you that, but on the timeless truth. But what are the specific contexts? It's, he mentions, I didn't read it in very first uh, verse, uh, disputable matters, but he mentions it uh, in verse 5. One person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike, right? What happens is this. The gospel of Jesus Christ has... This is what Paul's whole book in Romans. It's completely radically changed what it means to have a relationship with God, right? So what the gospel does is, in, you know, the Old Testament people of God, they live their lives with a great series of rules and regulations and stipulations. And there was almost a rule for anything that you needed. You know, the kind of clothes you wear, were, were to wear were circumscribed, the kind of foods you ate, the kind of people you hung out with, the protocols of worship. It was very, very detailed. You needed an answer. There was an answer. You just needed to find the chapter and verse. And what happened with the gospel so radical, is Jesus Christ as the Savior, the Son of God, he in his life and in his death fulfilled all of the requirements of the law for us, including atoning for our sin, and we wake up as the early church, and Paul says, it's amazing. You can throw off of all of those external rules, and now we are the people of God, guided not by an external system of rules, but by the internal work of the Holy Spirit. And it's a beautiful thing. But <laughs> with that freedom comes a lot of responsibility. And all of a sudden, things that used to be answered very simply by the priest or by the elder or by the, by the person in the temple, by these religious leaders, they're not answered anymore. And all of a sudden, the church is full of people that have these differing opinions, Right? One person considers one day more sacred than another. There's three examples given in this chapter. One happens to be with foods that are eaten. One has to do with what's a sacred day, holdovers from the Old Testament. And later in the chapter, he'll talk about, you know, drinking of wine and drinking of alcohol. So now the issues for you and me aren't the same. Most of us aren't going to get in an arm wrestling match, whether it's husband or wife or friend or small group, with, you know, whether or not you celebrate Christmas or not or Easter or not, or whether or not you eat a particular kind of food. But... We, too, have many matters, small on the scale, but that can ultimately result in division, husband and wife, friend, small group, and within the church. Rules like, how about what kind of music we play in church? How about the kind of clothes that we wear? Gee, my pastor used to wear a tie. What happened to you? You know, kind of a thing. These are small things that divide. How about whether or not you drink alcohol? How about whether or not, you know, uh, uh, the kind of music you might listen to? Small things can divide. 
But if I got this passage right, okay, this is all by way of introduction, what the Apostle Paul is saying here, it's radical. The timeless truth. People, both Christian people, right? They can have very different ideas about how to live out their faith. They can have even very different convictions. Now, we're not talking things like here about adultery or, or murder. There are some things that are very explicit, but there are many things for which the Bible is silent. And what Paul is saying is you could be in close relationships with people and have very different ideas about how to live out your faith. You can have very different convictions, yet you can both live before God. We can live before God with integrity and with his blessing. Wow, that's amazing. But with that great freedom comes a responsibility. And if we don't figure out how to use that freedom, we, you, me, husband, wife, parent, child, we can become weapons of mass destruction. <laughs> in the lives of other people, and this is what Paul's talking about. If we want to get this right, how to exercise our freedom, if we want a growth agenda personally in your own life and as a congregation, we need to get a couple things settled, and that's this introductory message. The first one, and I think Paul addresses these two in this chapter, is you need to know what you believe, right? One person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike, right? You're going to be in close relationship, parents and children and spouse and friends and meaningful uh, accountable relationships, accountable relationships. You're going to be in relationship with people who have different points of view, right? How are you going to work that out? And Paul says, let me tell you something. Number one, it's not a big deal. There are many things in life, in the life of a believer, for which you can disagree. It gives you some examples. What's important is each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. In other words, get an opinion of your own. Work out your own conviction. Form your own convictions on some things. Quit leaning on other people or being lazy about it. Or as he'll say in another letter of the New Testament, work out your faith with fear and trembling. What God has put in you, you need to work out. Okay? That's what he's saying. Let every person be fully convinced in their own mind. With great freedom comes great responsibility. You know, we talk about students a lot. I've said this a number of times in the last few years. That students, this is, you know, there's all books written on this, that every single year there's an increasing number of kids who graduate from the 12th grade and graduate from the Christian faith on the same day. And we rack our brains. Why is that? But I would suggest to you, and not my wisdom only, that the problem is not the culture. It's not the primary problem. It's very easy to point at the culture. And of course, our culture is at points increasingly contrary to the things of God, to what it means to be a follower of Jesus. But guess what? That's not new. The culture's always been uh, at odds with the things of God. I would say this to you. Okay? This is it begins with you. What do you believe? Do you know what you believe? The biggest influence on your wife, the biggest influence on your husband, the biggest influence on your children, children, the biggest influence on your parents, by a country mile for their spiritual growth and development is your spiritual growth and development, right? That's a no-brainer. 
Be fully convinced in your own mind. That's where your kids are going to take their direction. That's where your spouse is going to help draft your direction and you draft their direction. Some of us, right, the spiritual truth, we don't speak spiritual truth from our heart, Psalm 15, too. Speak the truth from your heart. Because we have not taken the time to form our own conclusions. We have not taken the time to form our own, develop our own convictions. We have not uh, worked out more convinced in our own mind, fully worked out our faith. That's the problem. Some of us read the scriptures, which is a good thing, but we don't study them, right? You say, well, not that what we pay you for? No. <laughs> Well, partly you do, but if you do not get into God's word yourself, right, that's where the transformation. Some of you uh, have a prayer life, but it's not very deep. It's not very mature, and it hasn't been maybe for many years. Uh, some of you don't have any significant relationships, right? Ephesians 4 uh, 15. We learn to speak the truth in love and in every respect we become mature. Do you have people who you are close enough with, right, who can speak the truth in love with you, to, to you, about issues in your life that are destructive, that are difficult, to help point you in the right So many of us do not have those things. That's what Paul is saying in this one half of verse. Each of us need to be more fully convinced in our own mind, right? I visited a couple this week, known them for many, many years. There was a time when they went to this church, and uh, they haven't been to church in general for many, many years, and I, I sat across, and I had all in my mind, just, you know, just visiting, but what must be the reasons, you know? I, I mean, I hadn't seen them in many years, and as I was sitting down, I said to them, I said, listen, you know, kind of get a little history. No, they haven't been to church in many, many years. And I thought, I said, well, I just wonder, can I ask why? And I said, I had all these little lists. I said, you know, are you mad at God? Did something really bad happen in the church? Were you really offended? And I went down my list. I said, no, no, no. And they said, actually, we're very good with God. And I said, I said, well, then why? And they said, honestly, we're just lazy. <laughs> lazy, Right? They haven't worked out what they believe. They're not fully convinced in their own mind. What's the application, right? How about something real simple like getting into a small group of other people, right, With, of other natural enemies? He said, I don't want to get in a small group because I don't like any of those people. They're probably the right people, <laughs> right? They're natural enemies, Right? You have a common allegiance, and it's there that you're going to work out your faith with fear and trembling. How about, getting, how about if you're in a small group to find one person, maybe of the same sex, in that group that you could go a little bit deeper one-on-one -on -one with who might be able to challenge you, and you could challenge them. Let me say this. Wherever you are with Scripture, read it, study it, pray it. Take it a little another step. Right, Jeff? Take it another step further, right? Number one, you need to know what you believe. Second major point in this message, you need to judge yourself first, right? Judge yourself first. You then, why do you judge your brother or sister, your husband, your wife, your kid, your neighbor? 
Why do you treat them with contempt? Right? For we will all stand before God's judgment. The Apostle Paul wants to say something here. He says there is a natural impulse in all of us, especially with freedom. Right? With freedom comes responsibility. To judge other people who disagree with us or who don't share our point of view. And one of the surest ways to hinder your personal growth and one of the surest ways to hinder the growth in significant relationships is to exercise judgment. Okay? But let me tell you something interesting about this big idea. I didn't read the first uh, four verses but in these two chapters, he's talking about the weak and the strong, except those whose faith is weak. But you know what he's saying here? It's so important you understand this point. He's not talking about people who are weak in faith. Like, you know, uh, um, I'm not, you know, Jack and I, he's got more, he, he, he has greater faith to believe that God's going to do X than I do. His faith is stronger than my faith. That's not what he's talking about. He's not saying weak Faith. He's saying, weak in the faith. That's what he's saying. He's saying, listen, the people who are struggling, who are natural impulse is to judge other people, who are people who have a weak grasp of the faith. That's what they're saying. And because they have a weak grasp of the faith, instead of the gospel doing a work in their life of bringing about greater healing, greater God's acceptance and love, greater personal transformation... They end up trying to, their natural response is to look at other people, right? We compensate for our own insecurity, our lack of God's greater gospel work in our life by having greater demands of the others around us. We judge the others around us as a way to respond to our own insecurity in our lives. The trouble that many of us have in close relationships with people who have a different point of view, right? This is where conflict happens, and we don't resolve it right, is not that we have strong convictions and they just don't line up, right? That's what we often think. If you really got it straight like I did, we'd be able to resolve our problems. It's not that we have strong convictions that other people ought, that don't line up. Often the problem is we have a weak grasp of the gospel in our own lives, and as a result, out of that insecurity of our own walk with God, we put demands on other people to tote the line, and that creates conflict, and that brings about a lot of broken relationships, right? We need to judge ourselves first. Jesus' words are obviously very, very helpful. Uh, I didn't, uh, it's, on, it's written in the guide, Matthew chapter 7. Jesus says, listen, if you really want to see clearly, think about relationships. If you really want to see clearly and compassionately into the life of another person, right? We talk about redemptive relationships, truth-filled relationships and our values and our measures. If you really want to see clearly into someone else's life and compassionately, you need to judge yourself first, right? You all know this metaphor, this story, right? He doesn't say don't judge other people. He says, listen, before you take the speck out of the eye, the issue, deal with the issue in your wife's life, before you want to deal with the issue in your husband's life, before you want to deal with the issue and point it out, speak the truth and love to your um, child or child to your parent or your brother or your sister or your friend, you need to take 
the log out of your own eye. Because the log in your own eye is blinding you to the truth about the other person, blinding you to the truth about yourself, and you can't see clearly to do any good. Right? You need to know what you believe, right? The gospel is, is, is something that takes place daily in your life. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind what they believe. Form your convictions. Get an opinion. Grow in your faith. Learn how to grow in your faith. And one of the most important relationships that you can have, exercises you can have every day, is to allow God to judge you to bring about clarity in your own life. I had an experience. This is a small example, but it can, maybe it makes a point. This was just this week, okay? Just shows you how quickly we can, our relationships um, can become um, frustrated and, um, and break down. I pulled into Starbucks. It was really early in the morning. It was before, it was between 6 and 7 in the morning. Almost nobody was around. There's only one other car in the whole road. There's no parking lot in this particular Starbucks. Only one other car. I parked behind him. We were the only two customers in there. There was hardly any traffic. And we get out, and this guy was just ahead of me. He's getting into his car and says, hey, as I'm walking to my car, right now, he goes, you realize you're in a handicapped spot, don't you? And I was. And I, and I said, just under my breath, I said, thank you. you know? Now, as we were getting into my car, all this happens in a minute, he, he's not done yet. And he sort of, he leans out his car window, he had rolled it down, and he says, you realize there's plenty of room in front of my car. In other words, there's nobody in the street. Now, at that point, you know, I'm, I'm a pastor, but I am human, you know. I'm like, I didn't say it, but I thought, you know, I had these just all within seconds, like, what, how dare you? There's nobody up. What's your problem, you know? And all these things are, are sort of happening in a nanosecond. But, of course... Although I had all these great things that were true also, right? Um, he was right. And I just sat there, maybe for 10 to 20 seconds. He drove off, and I just sort of worked through my little anger. And I said, you know, he's right. And, you know, God, help me speak to me. And let me tell you something. By the time I was a mile away, I would completely forgot about it. It's my point. In other words, but my question is this. How many times, think about the significant relationships in your life. How many times in the next week might you have a very small or medium offense, something that small and that insignificant, in this case, not with some random guy you're never going to see, but with your wife, with your husband, with your kid, with your parent, and that little unresolved thing, because you don't really know what you believe, you're not really judging yourself, that little seed becomes a tree in a broken relationship. That's what Paul's talking about. That's what Jesus is talking about. And if you and I really want to experience the growth that God wants for you and wants for me, you need to start by knowing what you believe. You need to work out your faith, right? And you are going to have a strong difference of point of view, even with the people that are close to you. You know, it's okay. Because if your faith is strong, I, I, I can go to someone that's really close and give them a real contrary point of view and be okay with it because even if they're upset with me, even if they're angry with me, even if they're not happy with me, it's okay for the moment. 
Because my security, my identity doesn't reside on their point of view, on me, right? And it's only when you have that kind of security, that kind of personal faith, strength, that you're able to go closer with people and they're going to get closer to you and you can achieve the kind of love that Jesus is talking about. So this is all by way of introduction. Know what you believe, right? Second, judge yourself first and last, as he says in this passage. Keep God in mind, right? If you read the Bible carefully, there's, it's, there's you know, these writers are anything but subtle, right? For none of us lives for ourselves alone, and none of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord. If we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or we die, we belong to the Lord. You know, in four verses, six through nine, he uses the word Lord seven times. Why? Remember, Christians come together not because they form a natural group. We're not just all, we don't just all like to bike. We're not all, you know, Republicans or Democrats. or Because they have a common allegiance. That's why. And what Paul's trying to say here in his own um, way is that if you really want to grow in your relationships with others, which is perhaps the best indicator of your relationship with God, you need to know your faith, you need to get a stronger faith, which is going to allow you to work through judgments and conflicts better, not be so committed to other people's opinions of you. And one of the most important things you need to realize is this. In the minutes and in the seconds of your life, you are never alone. Because whether you live or die, it's just a Bible way of saying all of life, whether you live or die, in every one of those seconds as a Christian, the, you do it before God. And I would say this, not only is God paying attention to your personal relationships, how they work, I would go out on a limb, we'll say this in seven weeks, that he is perhaps pays more attention to how you live out your relationships than anything else in your life. In other words, that's the ball game, right? That's why the New Testament is so full of speak the truth in love one to another, right? Um, um, love one another, care for one another, bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ, and on and on and on. We need to know what you believe. We need to judge ourselves first, and ultimately, we need to keep God in mind. Each one of us will give account to ourselves of God, right? Husbands, love your wives. Fathers, do not exacerbate your children. And body of Christ, you need to love one another as I have loved you. A lot said in those verses. Back of your bulletin is an opening challenge for this series. In what areas of your faith do you need to develop a greater personal conviction? Right? Do you know what you believe? Have you opened your life to other people and God first who can speak truth to you in love, right? What's the application? Listen, walk out of here 
Go to the Belong Center, talk to Pete, get in a small group. If you're in a small group, I'm in one. You know what? Find one person in there who you can go to a deeper level of relationship with, right? Because it's in our relationships with others. The challenges in our relationship with others, I think, are a good indicator of our challenges in our relationship with God. And we work on our relationship with others, um, or we work on our relationship with God as we work on our relationship with others. Amen? All right, let's, uh, let's pray.